Arizona Sports, Sports. the local sports sports leader, Burns and Gambo, the 4 o'clock reset, brought to you by Collins Comfort AC and Plumbing, proud home services partner of the Arizona Cardinals, 4 o'clock reset. Lots of news to keep track on today, we touch on all of it here at the 4 o'clock reset, we do it every single day on the Burns and Gambo show, we get you caught up on everything you need to know. Let's start with the Cardinals search for a new head coach and a new general manager, they have requested, the Cardinals have, to interview 49ers defensive coordinator D'Amico Ryans. Love According it. to reports, they'll interview their own defensive coordinator, Vance Joseph, next week. Tell me why you love Ryans. I like D'Amico Ryans. I mean, that, that, that 49er defense is one of the, the, the best in the league, points uh, points per game, yards per game. He's, he's young. He's 38. He's hungry. He uh, played in the league for 10 years. Man, there's a lot. I love that. I love that, uh, that organization and the uh, the coaches that they bring out, and so I, I, I think that that'd be a terrific call. If you don't get Sean Payton, put me in the D'Amico Ryan's category. I'd love to see him be the coach here. Yeah, we. Uh, I remember even as early as Monday, you and I were talking about whether he and Rand Carthon could be like a package. Deal. Yes, uh, Rand Carthon is uh, the 49ers director of player personnel. Uh, he's two years into that job. Former NFL running back. He spent his previous five seasons as a director of pro personnel. He reportedly already has been put on an interview list by the Arizona Cardinals. We, I don't know if he's interviewed yet, but reportedly he was on the Cardinals list. Now, reports are coming out that D'Amico Ryans, the Cardinals have asked permission to speak to him as a head coach. And that's noteworthy. We've had lots of GM candidates out there. We haven't had a lot of coaching no. candidates yet no. out there. Sean Payton, yes, that was yesterday. Vance Joseph, we figured that was coming. D'Amico is kind of the first non-super obvious candidate out there that we were wondering at the Look, sometimes you don't get your first choice, your second choice, or your third, or your fourth, and you get your fifth choice. That happens. D'Amico Ryans, to me, would not be a consolation prize if they didn't get Sean Payton. That would be a really good head coaching candidate, you know? So, um, And he's got some other teams that are looking at him as well. So he, I think he'll end up getting a job. Now, as far as the front office is concerned, according to reports, Bears executive Ian Cunningham is interviewing or has interviewed with Arizona today. Also, according to reports, the current Cardinals have reached out to the Ravens for permission to interview their director of player personnel, Joe Horitz. As far as things on the Sean Payton front, no new, 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 no new news other than what we had yesterday about how it looks like it's the Texans, the Broncos, and the Cardinals that for now have been granted the permission to interview him. There was a report out of New Orleans suggesting that all five teams that had coaching vacancies right now, including Carolina and including the Colts, all five had asked for for permission, but only three of them had been granted permission, suggesting that maybe the Colts and the Panthers weren't willing to give up the kind of draft compensation that the Saints wanted, so they just decided not to waste their time by granting them an interview with Sean Payton. not surprised by that. I'm not surprised because I think the price is going to be high. You know, the stories coming out of the New Orleans paper, you know, just back up that they're going to want a first-round pick. If it's not this year, then next year. And maybe there's teams that feel that that's too steep of a price, especially if they're picking where, you know, high in the draft. Yeah. Other news around the NFL. Atlanta, it was announced today, will host Bill's Chiefs if Bill's Chiefs meet in the AFC Championship game. That's the neutral field. I think that's a weird choice. Why? Because it just seems so... Why? Like, Indianapolis was right in the middle. 
there are stadiums that are like like you draw a line between Kansas City and Buffalo, and you you know it seems like you want to make it easy for fans of both teams to try to get there. Okay, Atlanta. I mean, it's easy to get to Atlanta, but it's way down there in the. I don't know. I just thought it was going to be something more in the middle of the two, in the middle of Kansas City and Buffalo. Yeah, I wonder what the criteria was for picking Atlanta. I don't know. I don't know. Ravens quarterback Tyler Huntley is back throwing. Lamar Jackson is still out. In fact, Lamar Jackson sent out a tweet today. Thank you, everyone, for your support and concerns regarding my injuries. I've suffered a PCL grade 2 sprain on the borderline of a strain 3. Still inflammation surrounding my knee, and my knee remains unstable. I'm still in good spirits. I wish I could be out there with my guys more than anything, but I can't give 100% of myself to my guys and fans. I'm still hopeful we still have a chance. So he's out. He ain't playing. Yeah. the I, I, I'm big on the Bengals winning that game, but recently when you start to look at injury reports, they're kind of banged up on their offensive line quite a bit. Really? The Bengals are, you know, the Bengals are, are you know, so they you know, they're they're hosting the playoff game, but yeah, they've got, you know, the guard Alex Kappa has got an ankle injury and and there's some other guys that are uh, obviously the 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 Collins season-ending knee injury. So they they've had some injuries to the offensive line that could be a concern for them. David Shaw, former Stanford coach, interviewed with Denver yesterday. You know, David Shaw's still relatively young. 50 years old, He's young. He was at Stanford for 16 years. I he know. was in the NFL for nine seasons before that. Listen, and he's only 50. He was the coach of Stanford, I believe, when when they beat ASU in the Pac-12 championship game. Yes. Which seems like a, you know, it seems like a eternity ago. Yeah. But he had such a great run there, and in the last four years haven't been good. But, you know, probably just done with college football and recruiting and NIL and wants to get to the NFL. I don't, I'd be surprised if he got an NFL head coaching job. I would be, too. Because we talked about it yesterday. The college to the NFL thing is not very successful. Another tough night for the Suns last night. They lost to Nikola Jokic in the Denver Nuggets, 125-113. What's our record right now? What's our, what's our uh, Arizona sports record? A one and, oh my gosh, you put me on the spot 14? Are we one and 14? One and 13? One and 13. One and 13 in 2023. Arizona sports professional teams have one win and 13 losses so far this year. I believe year. so. I right. believe so. Yeah. Uh, this little nugget from Brian Windhorse with the trade deadline coming up. Meanwhile, Matt Ishbia is going to try to take control of this team within the next month. I'm not sure that the league is going to get through with their vetting process, but he's hoping to get control of the team ahead of the trade deadline so he can have a decision on who the trade is. So the, the, the Phoenix Suns front office, James Jones, is trying to help his team. He's got different people saying yes or no that he's got to sign off on. It's mm. very, very difficult for them to get something done, not mm. to mention the trade market's tight. Reaction to that? Yeah, I, I think that James has the ability to do, um, to, to make moves in trades. I don't think he's ever been uh, handcuffed like that. I think the reason Jay Crowder hasn't been traded is because there's nobody out there that wants to give the Suns anything good because there's just not a lot of value in in Jay Crowder, but I understand the you know Ishbia trying to you know get control of this quickly so that way he could get started on because he might feel that listen, let me get involved that way I could give these guys some some leeway to, to do the things that they need to do to make this team better. Meanwhile, next up for the Suns, they're in Minnesota tomorrow. DeAndre Eaton has been upgraded to questionable for that game. Everybody else remains out for that game. In college football, big time defensive end Anthony Lucas is going to USC. Some thought. He could end up with Kenny Dillingham and ASU. He went to Chaparral, edge rusher. He was the number one player at his position in Arizona back in 2022. He has chosen the Trojans over the yeah, Suns. I tweeted out the other day that I'm hearing that it was going to be USC. 
And, uh, you know, so I do know that ASU made a real good effort to get him here. He could have been one of those game-changing players. Getting Daniel Dillingham has done a really good job of bringing in talent from all across the country. But if you're looking for that elite-level talent, that kid would have been it. It did come down to ASU and USC, not UCLA, but it came down to ASU and USC, and he did cho- choose the Trojans. Speaking of ASU, both ASU and U of A men's basketball are in action tonight in the Pacific Northwest. U of A takes on Oregon State at 9. We'll have the ASU-Oregon game on the Arizona Sports app and here at 98.7 at 7 o'clock tonight. Yeah, I mean, this is a you know, big trip for both teams. I looked at a bracketology from Joe Lenardi the other day, and I was baffled by this. ASU's not in the tournament. They're not even one of the first four out. Yeah. They're the next four out. So Joe Lenardi, with all the success that ASU has had, you know, Joe Lenardi does not have them in the tournament and does not even have him as one of the first four out. He's got him as the next four out. That was a little shocking to me. I was He's kinda, got U of A as a two seed. Yeah, I, I was I was kind of surprised by that as well. I just got a note from our mutual friend Howard Balzer. Apparently Indianapolis was told no by the league. They were not able to host that game. I was wondering why the AFC game wouldn't be closer to Kansas City in Buffalo, and apparently Indianapolis was told no, they couldn't. I don't know why, but that's what I just heard. I mean, you have to, like, maybe some of these stadiums have concerts or something going. I just don't know. Could be. um, Yeah, could be. So, that is the latest. That's your 4 o'clock reset here on the Burns and Gambo Show. Do want to remind you, you can join us today until 6.30. We are here at Sanderson Ford as we cap off the big red rig giveaway. Giving away prizes, and we'll have a very special guest joining us on site here, Arizona Colonels offensive lineman Will Hernandez. When we come back, if the Suns are going to turn things around and quickly, a national NBA writer says that this guy will be the key. Who is this guy? We'll tell you next. Burns and Gambo. Burns and Gambo. Afternoons 2 till 6 on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. As always, we thank you for hanging out with us on this Thursday afternoon. Broadcasting remotely for the first time in a while. We've done broadcasts from Footprint Center and across the street from Footprint Center. Uh, but at a business establishment yes. like this, it's it's first time in two years. It's been a while. This yeah. is the, really the first time in two years. It's been so, a while. We're here at Sanderson Ford. Sanderson Ford. Avenue, just south of Glendale. Yeah, and I just spoke with their general sales manager. There's a lot of the dealerships that don't have inventory right now. Sanderson Ford, they've got the inventory. They have got, this is crazy, over 160 F-150s in stock right now. And if you get down here over the next three days, today, tomorrow, and Saturday, or even Monday for Martin Luther King Day, you can get an additional $500 discount. So if you're looking for a new F-150, they've got 160 in stock right now, and they'll throw you another $500 off if you want to pick one up. Again, just come on tonight. They're here until 8, tomorrow till uh, 8, 8 to 6 on Saturday, and then Monday, they'll be here from 8 to 8. So get a new F-150 here at Sanderson Ford. We'll be here until 6.30, as you mentioned it. All right, so the Suns some good news coming, maybe not as much as people would have wanted, but some good news coming from the Suns today is they have upgraded DeAndre Ayton to questionable. Next up for the Suns, they'll take on Minnesota tomorrow as uh, still obviously no Devin Booker, no Cam Johnson, no Chris Paul, no Landry Shamit. They've all been ruled out, but at least DeAndre Ayton has been upgraded to questionable. And, and I, I tell you what's staring them dead in the face with this game tomorrow. Yeah. Minnesota's not very good. I, I mean, th- they're the Suns, Minnesota 
can pass them with a win in the standings, um, but it does feel like a winnable game potentially for the Suns, and it would lock up at least a 500 road trip, right? Which is, I mean, baby steps. You got to get something like that, and maybe Aiton plays in that game. I'm trying to. I'm just trying to. Survive. I'm in survival yeah. mode right 100%. now from the Suns. I don't want to fall too far behind. You know, I'd like to avoid the play-in. I've, I've completely given up on them getting a first seed or a second seed. The best I think that they could do if everything, you know, broke right is they could get a three or a four seed. It's most likely, most likely, they fall somewhere between five and seven. That would be what I think, that they fall somewhere between five and seven in a seeding. If, if, you, if you end up at eight, then you're talking play-in game. I think that they'll be they're good enough to avoid the playing game, but I don't think they're good enough to get into that top two or three. If it's just about survival, going two and two on this road trip would be a good place to start. Getting DeAndre Eaton would be a good place to start. Getting him back to the version of him that is the one we all want, that would be a big deal too. Our buddy Kevin Pelton, longtime NBA writer and insider with ESPN.com, frequent guest on the Burns and Gambo show. We have a soft spot in our heart for Kevin. Uh, had a story today. What each contender needs most to improve their championship odds heading into the second half. Gambo, I'm not going to lie to you. I clicked on the story. Part of me wondered if the Suns were even going to be listed as one of the teams in this story. Honestly, I, I I agree. I did the same thing. I, I clicked on. I thought, oh god, can you? Are they still it? considered a contender? Right. Are they still considered a team to watch out for? Is he on the list? Yeah, I wasn't sure. He was. The Suns were. What Kevin Pelton wrote for the Suns to resume championship contention. Um, you know, uh, they need a second star alongside Devin Booker. Chris Paul may no longer be capable of being that guy. The better bet is DeAndre Ayton. And then he goes through his numbers, his stats. He calls his stats this year unspectacular. After matching the Indiana Pacers max offer sheet to Aiton last summer, he writes, the Suns can reasonably expect more from the former number one pick. If the Suns are going to make a push, yeah. they need better play from DeAndre Ayton. There were two things. There was something in that story I want to get to, talked about like comparing Ayton to like the average center's numbers, which I thought was fascinating. There was a story the other day talking about some of the role players not stepping up. Here's what we know with DeAndre Ayton. In the, in the previous 10 games that he played in, he went from 17.5 points to 18 points. He increased his scoring by one point. He increased his rebounds from 9.8 to 10.6. That's less than one rebound per game. So Devin Booker, Chris Paul are out, and your guy to paying $30 million to is scoring one point more per game. It's not good enough. I mean, just in a nutshell, like that's not good enough. Mm-hmm. Like that's a guy that you're paying him $30 million. Look, Book's out. Paul, you got to step up. Like, 17's not good enough. you got to give me 25 to 30 every night. Be that guy. And and he's not. So that was, you know, that's just the thing. Like, DeAndre Ayton's a little, just a little bit better in the last 10 games than he was in the, the previous games. But not enough to make a difference. No. And that's fascinating. No, the hope was that he was going to be a lot better. The hope was that he was going to, he and, you know, obviously he's missed the last couple of games now with his ankle injury. But I agree. And it's one of those things, too, where we can number everybody out there to death. All you have to do is watch these games when he plays, and you can see him not making an impact. You can see him not making the other team feel him. Now, the the numbers you were talking about, I'll read these off because yeah, these go are ahead. good. These are good. Um, 
Kevin Pelton writes, in a league where all centers combine to average about 16.5 points and 11 rebounds when you stretch out their numbers over 36 minutes. 16.5 and 11 and labor month. The per, average center. The average center. 16.5 points, 11 rebounds per 36 minutes. DeAndre Ayton, 21.3 points and 12 rebounds. The rebounds are about the same. The rebounds are almost exactly the, the same. The points are a little bit higher. Points are a little bit. It was 16.6 to mm-hmm. 21.3, but that's it. He's that's why they didn't want to pay a cent of $30 million. Because the reality is that, the, the you know, the, and listen, the Suns kind of got caught in a tough spot. The benefit for the Suns is that it's a four-year deal, not a five-year deal. Okay? And they saved about $35 million by not doing a deal themselves, by letting Indiana put an offer sheet out there. But they certainly, my feeling is they certainly did not want to pay a cent of $30 million. They would have preferred to pay a center that gives you average numbers 10 to 12 million because then you've got all this extra money that you could use to go get what they really need, whether it's a wi- another wing player or a power forward or something else. So if the average center number is, and I would imagine if you look at like Kevin Looney, I always use that as an example, like that's the best scenario. Go pay a guy 12 million a year and let him give you numbers that are, you know, similar to what the average guy gets and not pay a guy 30 million dollars. 30 million, you want him to be Nikolai Jokic or UL. Joel Embiid. Okay, you're expecting him to be one of the truly elite centers in the league if you're going to pay him max money. DeAndre Ayton got the contract, and maybe we thought there'd be a step up. Now, there's still a possibility, you know, that when Chris Paul's gone, that somebody else will come in here and, and his game will develop more. But the problem with that concept and that theory is Chris Paul's missed a lot of games this year. There were those opportunities to DeAndre. I remember one big game that he had. One. Mm-hmm. I think it was the game after the Knicks. Can't remember who it was. After the Knicks game, when he had five rebounds, the next game that he played, he had a monster game. Was that Cleveland Toronto? Game. It was a Cleveland, Cleveland. Game. Yeah, Cleveland. He had a monster he, game. He called out the team after the Knicks game saying, I'm not used to seeing the no fight in us. And we both talked about right. it before the Cleveland game. You call out a team like that, you better be ready to, to have a bullseye on your mm-hmm. back the next night. And he did. He played very well against Cleveland. But those moments have been few and far between. I, yeah. I remember there were a couple of games early this season before all the injuries set in, where it looked like he and Devin Booker were this dominant two-man game combo, and Chris was kind of taking a back seat to, to Devin and DeAndre, and I thought maybe that's the future of the Suns right there, the way those two were playing. But like with all things DeAndre, man, it's just so short-lived. It's it's just, it's never consistent. The, 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 the water spout, it's drip, drip. Drip. It's never like a steady flow of great DeAndre Ayton play, and that's been the most maddening part about it. Is a finesse center. We'll see these windows where he, okay, there he is. There's DeAndre. Man, those windows are never open very long. Do you remember the great center classes that that we grew up with? You know, when you had, you know, Shaq, or even before that, you had Olajuwon, and, you know, the Knicks had Ewing. And one of the frustrating parts about Ewing was that he was very, uh, he was such a finesse player. He wasn't, you know, he wasn't a physical. Player, but his finesse game was phenomenal. Like he, you can't compare DeAndre Ayton to Patrick Ewing. It's not close. Ewing was so much better, but Ewing was such a finesse player, and you just wanted him to be more physical and you know dunk the ball and be more aggressive on the boards. They had to go get Charles Oakley in a trade with the Bulls to get somebody that could bring the physicalness and the toughness and the rebounding that they weren't getting out of Patrick Ewing. You know, as a part of me when I look at at, at DeAndre, it's been his game.
game is so finesse. It's so much, you know, these fadeaways and these hook shots and these little turnaround jumpers and never. I mean, how often do you see him actually get the ball and say, you know what, I'm gonna I'm gonna back this guy down under the basket and then I'm just gonna dunk the ball on the guy. Far it doesn't too happen frequently, right? And a guy at that size, I mean, it should be the norm. Yeah. For what it's worth, today is Thursday, January twelfth. Three more days. Three more days. It, not no, that I nobody's going to trade. Nobody's going to trade for him. I was just going to say, not that I think it matters. Be shocked if anybody traded for him. Be I shocked. Would be, I would be too. I mean, I just don't like teams. Like, I'm going to pay thirty million dollars for that. I, I, I Listen, you know what DeAndre is going to be, DeAndre Ayton's going to become, and it's unfortunate, but he's going to become. And I say this all the time: Atlanta wants to get off of Collins, Miami wants to get off of Lowry. He's going to become that guy that the Suns want to get off of. Yeah, it's going to be. I, I, it's unfortunate, but unless something changes and quickly, he's going to be that contract that the Suns are trying to get off of for years. Texas, your thoughts on DeAndre Ayton to the FanDuel text line at six twenty six twenty right now. When we come back, there are three teams that will get the opportunity to interview Sean Payton. The Cardinals are one of the three. Could the team that is expected to sign him, are they being held back by their quarterback? And no, we're not talking about the Cardinals. That's next. Burns and Gambo. Burns and Gambo. Afternoons on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. All right, back to the Octane Community Studios we go. Let's check in with Eric for an update on our Twitter poll question of the day. Burns and Gambo need to know Twitter poll update presented by Sanderson Ford. All right, what you got for us, Rubes? If it's not Sean Payton, who would be your next best option to be the next head coach of the Arizona Cardinals. I gave y'all four. Option number one is D'Amico Ryans. Option number two is Jim Harbaugh. Then you've got the in-house option, Vance Joseph. And the fourth one, I put the power in your hands and just write it in and tell me another name. I went D'Amico Ryans and not really close to me, for me either. Like, I think that that would be that would not be a consolation prize if they ended up with with D'Amico Ryans. Other guys might be, but I think that would be a, a real solid hire. I also went with D'Amico Ryan's um I, I I will tell you I'm it's probably my own kind of prejudice for lack of a better word I'm so interested in Shane Steichen the offensive coordinator of the Eagles I, I mean he's got a really impressive resume he's worked with a lot of different quarterbacks a lot of different styles everybody says he's just this up and coming everything I'm prejudiced against the idea of hiring another kind of offensive play caller wonder kid type of guy, right? Like, I just, man, I feel like we just did that, but they, it I just don't know if I sense. want to do that again, you know? It does make sense because of the investment in Kyler, but with D'Amico Ryans, man, if you could build a great defense and just hire a great offensive coordinator, like, you do have an investment in Isaiah Simmons, first-round pick. You do have an investment in Zayvon Collins, first-round pick. You've got a, lo- a lot of, you know, you've got some, a lot of good young players on this defense. Let's get, some, like, get the most out of those guys yeah. and build a great defense. And, and honestly, I, I don't even see this black and white like that. I don't even see this as an offense versus defense thing. You just, you gotta get somebody in here who knows how to extract the best out of 53 guys in an NFL locker room, right? Both offense and, and defense. And yeah. I don't care if they're offensive-minded, defensive-minded. I, I hate that phrase, leader of men, is cliche, but that's what you need, right? You need somebody who's gonna come in here and knows how to lead and knows how to get those 53 guys to follow him. And I don't care if it's an offensive-minded guy or a defensive-minded guy. It's gotta be beyond being a great play call or beyond a guy who can 
drop great X's and O's. Uh, Eric, what's our audience say on this one? Audience rolling with you guys. This one has gained a little bit of separation in first place at 44.3% is D'Amico Ryans. In second place at 38.7%, it's Jim Harbaugh. In third place, 8.9% is Vance. 8.1% wrote in. Some saying Frank Reich. Some saying Eric Bieniemy. Just a couple of names people are throwing out there. All right. Thank you, Eric. We appreciate that. Poll question can be found on the Burns and Gambo Twitter page. This report from ESPN's Jeremy Fowler. When talking about Sean Payton, who, again, permission was granted by the Saints for the Cardinals to interview Sean Payton. He's not allowed to interview with anybody until next Tuesday. Um, Quote, Sean Payton is a good match in that he's the best coach available, and Denver, which offers stable ownership and a roster with talent, is drawn to that. But some around the league are skeptical about whether Payton wants to tie his future to Russell Wilson, who struggled mightily in 2022, though he improved later in the deal. A massive six-year deal can assuage any concerns if Payton wants to wait out Wilson and develop another quarterback eventually. The organization has shown little patience. It's interesting to hear that some people suggesting maybe Denver wouldn't be the landing spot for him because of Russell Wilson. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. Guy went to two Super Bowls. He won one. He should have won two. I mean, a year ago when, when the Broncos got him and they gave up a boatload to get him, I mean, it looked like you were getting a quarterback that could compete against Justin Herbert and Carr and Mahomes and the AFC West. Denver had a terrible year. But again, like you said, beauty's in the eye of the beholder, right? Um, yep. If he may look at that, he may look, he likes Kyler Murray. We know that. I don't know if there's any sound on Sean Payton talking about Russell Wilson. Uh, I think Wilson likes him. I think there's some comments in that story about Wilson liking him. I got it right here. Let me play yeah. it for you. This is Russell Wilson on Sean Payton. I've been around Sean, obviously, at the Pro Bowl. I've been around him across the league. I've played against him quite a bit. Uh, he's one of the world's best, obviously. Uh, a guy who's, um, you know, um, coach the Hall of Fame quarterback in Drew Brees, who was one of my closest friends and a guy I've gotten to know across the league and so many other great players. He's competitive as can be. He's a winner. Obviously, he won a Super Bowl and been at the highest level. Uh, I was able to be around him at the Pro Bowl and just the wisdom that you would have on the field was just magnificent. I mean, it was just spectacular just being around them and just Alvin Kamar, myself, Michael Thomas, just these guys, we were just talking about ball um, and just how he saw the game. And so, um, he's, but he's competitive as can be, you know, and he knows how to push guys at the ultimate level. Okay. Gush, 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 gush. That was great. Gush, right? yeah. He would love to play for him. It sounds like it. Yeah. But if Peyton, did, if Peyton doesn't believe in Russell Wilson, that changes the whole. Because you're right. If you go to Denver, you've got Russell Wilson for a few years. It's hard to get out from under that. Yeah. Yes, very. But it also it also is hard for me to believe that you would want Kyler Murray over Russell Wilson. It uh, to your point, it seems like if we're talking about which quarterback is the one that's easier to fix, Russell Wilson is an easier fix because he's Russell Wilson. But he also has a track record of success. That's what I mean. Because he, he's you know you know. It's there. It's he's done it. He's done it at the highest level. He's done it very, very well. And I don't think you question his work ethic. I don't think you question whether he watches film. Nope. I don't think you question whether he's invested. I think the biggest question with Russ is: is he cooked? 
I mean, that, that's that's is, is he like Kyler's got the next ten years of his career in front of him because of his age? Is do you believe if you're Sean Payton or anybody that the that the the result of Russell Wilson's or the reason for Russell Wilson's struggles last year were because he's old, he's cooked, he's done, he's washed up? And if you don't believe that to be true, I'm with you. You can't fundamentally tell me that. If we're just judging quarterbacks here, that you wouldn't rather go coach Russell Wilson than Kyle Can we go Murray. Back to, let's go back to something we said earlier. Where's it easier to win if you're Sean Payton? AFC or NFC? Probably the NFC. Probably the NFC. Probably the NFC. You don't have to deal with Mahomes, Herbert, Justin Herbert, Burrow, and Allen, and Burrow, and you know all these uh, Trevor Lawrence. Mm-hmm. You go to the AFC and you may get your, your Patrick Mahomes is how old? Gonna go play him two times every year. Justin Herbert is how old? Two times every year. Right. Like you may look at that situation and say, and I think if we go back to when Peyton went to the Broncos, I think it was reversed. I think when Peyton went to the Broncos, it was like I've got a better chance to win here than if I went to the NFC at that time. Okay, you talking about Peyton Manning? Peyton Manning. Just don't want to confuse anybody because Sean Payton. Sorry, Peyton sorry, Manning. but Peyton no, no, no. You, not your fault. Just want to make sure I knew what you were talking. If about. you're Sean Payton, and this is not something we've discussed, but we t- we talked about it earlier when we were talking about the quarterbacks. I haven't thought about it from a coach's perspective. If you're a coach and you can coach in the AFC or the NFC, where do you have a better chance to win? I think the NFC. Who, who are you going up against in Seattle? Your quarterback in Seattle is Geno Smith. Uh-huh. The Rams have a banged-up Matthew Stafford. They're in a terrible situation right now. Financially, cap-wise, their coach doesn't even want to coach him anymore. The 49ers are really good, but who's their quarterback? Right. So if you're Sean Payton, you might look at the NFC and say, you know what? I have an, I'll have an easier time winning in the NFC than going to that juggernaut in the AFC and having to go up against those eight quarterbacks you know, every single year. Yep, I think that is certainly something that favors the Cardinals. I think the GM vacancy is something that favors the Arizona Cardinals. And who knows, he might be really intrigued by the upside of Kyler Murray because as we discussed earlier, all the young, all the great young quarterbacks, they're all in the AFC. There's all of them. Hardly any of them in the NFC no. unless you count Jalen Hurts as one of them. They just they don't exist in the NFC. Not right now. Maybe they will after this draft Look, cycle. I can find not right now. I can they find do. eight quarterbacks that I like better than Kyler Murray in the AFC. I might be able to find one or two in the NFC. Just if you project five years. Yeah. Now for five, which quarterback over the next five years is going to be better? The AFC has eight guys I would take over Kyler. The NFC might have two. Now, it's funny when we even talk about the NFL draft. Look at the teams that we're talking about taking quarterbacks in the first round of the Houston AFC, AFC team. Colts, AFC team. Yep. Right? Like, even the next generation of great quarterbacks still might be in the AFC unless an NFC team were to jump up. There are NFC teams that could. Certainly, Carolina maybe comes we- to mind. Seattle comes to mind, maybe. But the two that we talk about the most are Houston and Indianapolis. So, again, more young quarterbacks to the AFC. Where can you win? Where, can, where do you have a better chance to win? Going up against Geno Smith and Matthew Stafford with, or going up against Justin Herbert and Patrick Mahomes. If he's thinking about it like that, that gives the Cardinals a great advantage. Truly does. Yeah, you would think that it absolutely would. When we come back on the Burns and Gambo show here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader, the Arizona Cardinals, need upgrades. Good for them. There are lots of free agents out there. We'll talk about them next on the Burns and Gambo show. And Gambo. Afternoons on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. 
course, we don't know who the GM is. We don't know who the head coach is. We don't know how the roster is going to be built. We don't know who's ultimately going to make those decisions. We do know that there are going to be an incredible number of decisions to be made by whoever those gentlemen are running the organization. Um, Almost the entire offensive line, free agents are set to retire, a D-hop trade. Uh, you've got potential contract extensions or new contracts for Zach Allen and Byron Murphy. you got a lot of decisions that need to be made. And, and then in mid-March, Gamble, a lot of free agents that you're going to have holes to fill and you're going to have to go shopping and you're going to have to go out and fill some of those holes via free agency. And, and I would imagine that as we get closer to that, we'll spend a lot of time kind of looking looking at lists and seeing who ends up being available because when you have that many holes to fill you you have to go into free agency to fill it right you're, you're going to have to spend money on your offensive line if you you're go, the Cardinals could go trades you could go free agency you could go draft i mean those are the three ways you do it but i was Looking at some of the free agents, because some of the lists are you know starting to come out right now. There's a, a NFL free agent rankings, the top 50 players set to enter free agency. Now, what I will tell you is that two of them were Cardinals. Zach Allen was rated as the number 24th best player entering free agency. And Kelvin Beecham, who I would just love to have back if I'm the Cardinals, is listed as 43. So these are the top 50 free agents, two Cardinal players, Zach Allen, Kelvin Beecham. I look at the offensive line. Line, and here's the guy, and there's quite a bit of guys on here. You got Mike McGlinchey of the 49ers listed as number nine, Orlando Brown, Kansas City, number 10, Caleb McGarry from Atlanta, 30, Ben Powers from Baltimore, 32, Isaac Suamalo from the Eagles, number 33, Juwan Taylor from Jacksonville, number 36, Dalton Risner from the Broncos, number 49. That's a lot of offensive linemen in the top 50 that are available. Edge guys. They got Marcus Davenport, New Orleans, number 23. Jadavian Clowney, Cleveland, 27. Melgram Ingram, number 38 from Miami. Justin Houston, number 39. Brandon Graham, number 40. Charles Amenehue from the 49ers, number 42. So I like the offensive line list better than I like the, the edge list. But either way, if you are looking to add some players there, you know, this, you know, this is pro football focus. They did the top 50 free agents. What I noticed about it, they were quite a number of edge rushes and offensive linemen on the list. Yeah, and I think you'll probably have to look at the cornerbacks on the list, too. I don't have the, the complete list in front of me, just the ones you sent me, but if I were to click on the link, I'm sure you'd have to look at the corners on a list like that, too. I, I tell you what always makes me nervous about looking at a list like that now is you don't know who's going to be on the list when free agency starts, because then you get into tag season, you get into to guys getting a reset. Like Zach Allen, wouldn't you be shocked if Zach Allen is actually available by the time free agency starts in mid-March? I would. I'd be I'd be shocked if the Cardinals, whoever is running the organization, doesn't find a way to re-sign him before he actually becomes available on the open market. And I think with a lot of these guys, that's that's the tough part looking at lists now. You have to decipher who you think is actually going to be there in the middle of March when free agency begins. I I think Zach Allen gets signed. I, I don't. I'm not as sure about Byron Murphy. But you think Zach Allen gets signed by the Cardinals? Cardinals? Yes. 
before yeah. free agency starts. Yes, I do. Yeah, I, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised at that at all. Now, I know that you go back a ways. They were interested in re-signing quite a few of their guys. You know, Murphy, Jalen Thompson, Zach Allen. They didn't get a lot of that done, right? Nope. I think the only one they really got done was Jalen Thompson, correct? Yes, but I believe you still can re-sign those you guys. You sure can. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah you can. You, yeah, so, yeah, you, they didn't – well, and you can – honestly, you can – sort of see why they didn't resign any of those guys. They were in complete flux, right? Steve Kime, medical leave of absence. Uh, Adrian Wilson, Quentin Harris playing the roles of the co-general managers. Who knows whether they're going to permanently... If they knew they were going to permanently get the gig, then, yeah, maybe they would have signed Zach Allen before the season ended or Byron Murphy before the season ended. Those guys don't know if they're going to get the job or yeah. not. So, so the, the whole organization is kind of on pause. And who knows? Maybe a new general manager comes in here and says... Yeah, Zach Allen, I like him. I don't love him. We can let him walk and see what he gets out there. Maybe he won't be back. I don't know. But but once Steve Kine went on that medical leave of absence, pretty much the business of roster building was frozen. There wasn't much they could do because those guys might not permanently have the job, and it just seemed unfair to the next general manager coming in to saddle them with a player that maybe he wouldn't have signed. Yeah, I wonder if that's I wonder if that's part of it. You know why too? Because again, you know, I'm just looking at some notes here that I had. They they had a lot of interest early because they didn't go out and address the edge rushers, and they didn't go out and address the the cornerback spot, and they were very interested in recent. Now maybe they the, the players didn't want to do it, or their agents didn't want to do it. But they clearly wanted to re-sign three or four of their own guys, and I believe they only got the one done. So that kind of puts the new GM in a little bit of a quandary because now you you know it's you got to you got to re-sign those guys. Maybe some of those players want to hit free agency, want to see what the market is, that type of deal. So it may not be the easiest thing in the world to keep the, to keep the guys that you want to keep. No, it might not. I mean Zach Allen, and you know, there's always the franchise tag too. I don't know what you what you franchise tag Zach Allen. I don't think you would. No, would you, I don't think you'd franchise. No. Like not good enough player to be. Yeah, not a good enough player to no, pay. Yeah. to pay that money. So too. if those guys really had their hearts set on going to see what was out there in the open market, they probably could hold off on signing something. But like you said, you know, especially Zach Allen. I, I mean, it, it. He's not JJ Watt, but certainly you can see a version of JJ Watt in Zach Allen with how he played this year. I, I thought he had a terrific year. Was was a, a breakout player, not he's, an elite yeah. player, but a very good player in this league. No, I he's thought. definitely a nice player that you want to keep and build, and he might. Listen, he might have that breakout. You get him. You get a guy like D'Amico Ryan's in here. Somebody you might you might have a breakout year out of that. And listen, I mean, every time they show JJ Watt, he was right there listening, learning. I'm sure that he oh, yeah. took a lot from JJ Watt. And and then I think the other thing is when when you're a player and you want to be great, and you see the love and the admiration that JJ Watt had, even from the fans in San Francisco with the standing ovation, you kind of you kind of want that. It motivates you a little bit to play at a higher at a higher level. I think that they'll keep Zach Allen. I think that they like him. He hasn't. He had a good year this year but he's capable of a lot more we just haven't seen that they'll certainly have to go out on the market to fill some of these spots i mean it's it's with this many empty spaces for the cardinals it's unavoidable um especially given that roddy hudson's probably going to retire we don't know for sure but justin Pugh's probably going to retire um i agree with you i'd like kelvin beecham back I, I have to think that josh jones is 
probably penciled in as one of the starting tackles next year. Um, he's in year four with the organization, I believe, year four since he's been drafted. So, I think so yeah. Yeah, as a third rounder, I know they liked him. They liked him a lot, and that was before Sean Kugler was dismissed. So um, they've got stuff they've got to do. Will Hernandez, who's going to be here at uh, Sanderson Ford with us a little bit later, signing autographs, he's another guy they have to make a decision on. I think the other thing to consider, too, is just how handicapped they are by the salary cap. They potentially could have a lot of dead cap money next year, right? Like a lot of they'll have to sign guys, but they have to might have to wait until prices really come down on players, depending on, you know, is DeAndre Hopkins, is he a twenty two million dollar cap hit next year? For a guy who's not on the roster, right? Is JJ Watts wow. dead cap money? That's going to exist next year too. They're, they're going to have a, a new lot G- of that. Hey, a new GM and a new coach might might want to just take that all on that first year. Let me take that all and clear it up so we can be a big player the following year. Rip the Band-Aid off. Get it over with. Get over with. We'll deal with it. Yep. We'll, we'll take our lumps. We'll get another good draft pick next year if you have it. You know, if you don't give it to New Orleans for Peyton and you sign it, you end up with D'Amico Ryans or somebody else. You're going to have your picks this year. You're going to have your picks next year. You don't have to worry about giving any of those picks away. So that could be a pretty good. I, I might want to take the hit all at once and get it over with if I'm the Cardinals. Yep, I, I would tend to think so, too. You can join us here today at Sanderson Ford. We'll be with you until. 6.30. We've got bonus Burns and Gambo today as we cap off the Big Red Rig giveaway. We're giving away prizes. We'll have a very special guest Arizona Cardinals offensive lineman Will Hernandez will be here on site with us and we'll have all of that and we'll be here until 6.30 as we're live from Sanderson Ford. 51st Avenue just south of Glendale. They're back to a game under 500. 22 losses on the season. What is now realistic for the Suns to achieve this year? That's next on the Burns and Gambo Show.